Holy Spirit, we ask that by the word of God that you have inspired, you would lead us into the words that we have already sung. So what can I say and what can I do? But offer this heart, O God, completely to you. Amen. Um, Well, some of you uh, are students, and some of you within that are freshers. I'm guessing if you're a fresher, you're probably around 18 years old. And in that case, I'm going to introduce you to a piece of music that, if you're 18, you may never have encountered. Um, David, could you go and flip the um, uh, light for me? Um, It's something of a modern, uh, popular music classic. And it was issued on the 8th of July in the year that you were born, if you're 18. So could we uh, enjoy that together for a moment, please, Andrew? If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Make it last forever. Friendship never. Well, there we go. Um, thank you. Yes, you have the lights back on now. Um, that was from a, a band called The Spice Girls, um, who were popular, I believe, in the um, uh, sort of n- uh, 90s. Um, some of them, of course, you've never heard of, but uh, there you go. Isn't that wonderful? But it, they were telling us what they really, really wanted, and it turned out to be that what they wanted was zig-a-zig ha. Um, and in its own way, uh, I, the question about uh, giving you a million pounds was really only intended to find out from you what it is that you really, really want. And of course, actually, when you're younger, all options are open to you uh, in terms of what you really, really want. Um, I, uh, I know a student, um, a, friend of our, a young student, a friend of our family, uh, who wants to be president of the United States of America. Um, and he may well be uh, the way he's going. I know another student, a uh, former student, who, uh, if asked what he wanted, would probably uh, have said, well, a Big Mac with a quarter pounder on the side with student discount. Uh, when you are uh, young, all the options are open to you, uh, but they close down a little as time goes on. So I think it's probably time now to find out uh, if you... I thought that the other person's answer was really interesting when you played the million-pound game. This is when I want to find out what you said. What did you say? Oh, I don't know. Come on. Invest in Cambridge City. Do you mean the football team or do you mean the council? You meant the football team. Okay. You throw away the money. Yeah, yeah. Don't put your hands up. Just shout out. A guitar. A retire. Okay. And play guitar, maybe. Sorry, Sandra? Buy a manuscript. Okay. Um, others? Come on, guys. Go on. Okay. He, uh, he'd... he'd a shed load of guitars. Okay. This side, please. Pay the family mortgage off. Pay the family mortgage off. 
family's mortgage off, okay? A holiday home. Somewhere warm like Africa, okay? Um, <laughs> no, wh- wh- what else on this side? University fees, yeah. Good, I'm, I'm quite pleased because sometimes when you ask for a million, people kind of get confused and can't see the uh, kind of wood for the trees and go for a, a million when they actually, just a few thousand can deal with some good things. Okay, well, those are all good things uh, to, uh, to want. But what about this man in the story? Do you please turn to John chapter 5, page 1068. And Jesus asks him, what do you really, really want? Do you want to get well? Imagine, this man's been crippled for 38 years. He's got physical um, disability to contend with. He's sitting by a pool where the, the legend of the time was that uh, when there was an angel that stirred the waters of the pool, I guess it was fed by a hot spring or something and occasionally had eruptions, um, then uh, the first one down into the pool would get healed. Uh, but of course, because he was crippled and he didn't have anyone to take him, it wasn't happening. But he'd been crippled for 38 years and also had to bear the burden Uh, by definition, because he was crippled, of being excluded from God's people, because the law of Israel said, if you are crippled, you cannot enter the temple of God, because God can only uh, be with those who are physically uh, okay. So he had everything lined up against him. And imagine Jesus walks into this man's life. He says, what do you really want? Do you want to get well? And he doesn't say yes. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say yes. What, what would you say? What do you imagine you'd say? Of course we imagine we'd say, of course I do. But he doesn't. He just explains the problem. I haven't got anyone to carry me down to the water. Well, That is a statement of the blindingly obvious. And yet, there's a reason, probably, why he doesn't say yes. Because he's not young anymore. Even if he had had this problem almost from birth, he'd be getting on in years in that culture. Imagine what you have to do do inside, if you've been crippled for 38 years, to say yes. Imagine how difficult it is to get over the burden of all those years of knowing that you're not healed. You're not down by the water. You are excluded. At every possible engagement, you are denied. At some level deep inside, of course he would want to be healed. But uttering the words must have become nearly impossible for him. Because what do you say to a man, let's imagine him with a beard and a, uh, wearing a, a, a white cloak, who comes up to you if you've got a major problem and says, do you want to get well? 
Imagine the responsibility that that lays upon you. Because if you say yes, what's going to happen next? You do not know. What's this man going to do for you? You don't know who he is. He just walks up to you and says, do you want to be well? Is he going to do anything about it? Is he going to carry you down to the pool himself? He's going to hang around for a few days until the, the waters are disturbed again. He doesn't give an answer here. He, um, he doesn't really give an answer either later on in verse 11 when they say, it's the Sabbath, the Lord forbids you to carry your, your mat. And he doesn't say, yes, I know, or no, I didn't know. He just says, oh, the man, it was his fault. The man over there, he made me well, said to me, pick up your mat and walk. This man, whatever else is going on, is understandably but deeply um, in awe and terror of his own circumstances. And Jesus heals him. I can't quite conceive the explosion in that man's life when... It's dealt with so quickly. There's kind of big setup to the story, and then there's a, a big outflow from the story, but the real heart of the story takes two seconds. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. It takes two verses. It's over. We'll come back to that basic question of what we really want. Because the outflow from the story is deeply important. This business of the Sabbath. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. It's the end of verse 9. And so the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. Increasingly, I find myself interested in the bits that sound boring in Scripture. Now, I reckon a little bit about the Sabbath sounds really dull. And so I paid some close attention to it. And I think it really, really matters, the fact that this is the Sabbath. Now, the Jews, it says the Jews. Well, who are the Jews going to be? Well, of course, they could be any Jews. But if they had the responsibility for addressing the man and saying, you mustn't do this, you mustn't go and get healed on the Sabbath, you know, like a sort of particularly officious traffic warden or something. Don't think we've got any traffic wardens in the church, have we? Um, good. Um, they were probably Pharisees, keeping the law of Israel very strictly. Now, of course, Pharisees get a really bad rap uh, as we listen to the stories. And it's worth remembering that these were really, on the whole, pretty good people. The Pharisees were those who had a particular way of thinking about the story of God's people. It had started so good. Way back in the old days, what we would now call the Old Testament, God had given all these promises to his people. And then from Solomon onwards, it had gone horribly wrong. There'd been idolatry. The kings were a waste of space. It was just dreadful. Until, through conquest, the people had been exiled uh, to different parts of eastern empires. A little well, after a couple of generations, they'd come back. Uh, but from then on, even though initially the, the, the story was supposed to be, yes, you were sinful, but my punishment has come to an end, 
now you're going to be restored to your land, O Israel. That was how it was meant to be, but they never felt that. They never felt they'd been restored, because there was just wave after wave after wave of more invaders came through and laid waste to their land, and the latest lot were the Romans. And it had gone on like that for hundreds of years. And the Pharisees uh, were those who came along and said, well, what are we going to do? We used to have uh, this, the temple, uh, and we've still got a a new temple, because the temple had been uh, destroyed and hadn't properly been rebuilt, and we've got a temple. But in the meantime, they'd really focused on the law. If you can't go to the temple because you're scattered all around the world, the known world of that time, at least you've got the law. So let's focus on the law of Israel. And within the law of Israel, the people of God were identified by certain marks. Not by very many. You didn't have to have very many. There was circumcision. Um, but one of the, there was food laws. But one of the really, really big ones was the Sabbath. Keeping a Saturday, well, Friday night through to Saturday evening, uh, clear of work, resting. This was unheard of in the ancient world. The Jews were regarded as deeply, deeply odd because they went in for just taking a break. No one did that. There were festivals of other gods, but you didn't take a break once a week. And they did it because they thought they were echoing God's own character. People Human beings were echoing the character of a god. Now, that that was astonishing in the ancient world. You just didn't do it. They claimed to be echoing God's character. Work, 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 rest. That was God's own character. They were marked by God's own character. They were set apart in that way. They were renowned. They were famous. They were often hated. And that set-apartness we call holiness. It was a, a, a time set apart, uh, a space set apart in your home or in the temple to keep uh, Sabbath, and the people themselves were set apart. The, the Sabbath was at the very core of what it meant to be God's holy people, godly people. But it's still failing. Uh, John, recording this story, sets it up quite carefully. Uh, Jesus uh, goes to Jerusalem, uh, to the temple, why else would you go to Jerusalem, for a feast of the Jews, following the law. That's what you did in Jerusalem. You went to the temple and you followed the law. But there was, in the midst of this kind of, this is good, there's a temple, there's the law. There's also a bunch of guys who are completely excluded from the people of God. And they're cripples and they're blind and they're they're lame and they're paralyzed, lying by the pool of Bethesda. The whole system is not working. The temple and the Torah do not help the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed when there is a feast. That is the time more than any other, I guess, when they would have known their exclusion. What's going on here is this, and it's Jesus' constant battle in John's Gospel. The, the, the Pharisees, the law, is saying, keep the Sabbath. 
Be holy the way we understand it. And our experience of awfulness will come to an end. Be holy and the great day of mercy will come. Jesus comes along and says, I am the day of mercy, you're healed now. Keep Sabbath. And he doesn't say keep Sabbath. What he says is, stop sinning. There in verse 14 at the end. See, the holiness is still at the heart of it. It's just that instead of try, keep the Sabbath, and then the day of God's mercy will come. Jesus walks in, he acts out the day of mercy, you're healed, you're part of God's people now. And now, out of gratitude, let there be a Sabbath, stop sinning, be holy. Let there be a godliness in your heart and life. Not in order to be holy, but because you have, because you are grateful, be holy. God's people then, if we kind of pay attention to this story, are to be marked by uh, healing, inclusion, um, togetherness, unity, all the side that's represented by the man when he's healed, but then also to stop sinning, they're to be marked by a holiness, a character exactly like God's. That's what the law was given for, but it was ineffective. That's what they, they kept, they were flailing around, working harder and harder, and it wasn't working. God's people are to be marked by a healing and by a holiness that come from gratitude. Now, when we played the game earlier, uh, what would you do with a million quid? Uh, uh, Will, commendably, owned up to the fact that his first thoughts were fairly selfish ones. I have to say, I, I, I commend him for that, because whenever I play this game amongst Christians before, I normally get far too holy a response, so well done for kind of being honest. Um, but then as we, 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 we played out, there was, there was retirement, there was paying off the family's mortgages, there was a shed load of guitars. Um, and in a way, okay, there was some generosity in there, but most of it is about... It's, it's, it's about the good stuff that we can get. Well, of course it was, because I'd offered you a million quid. But if I asked you differently, what do you really, really want? What do you really, really want tonight? Some of you will want healing, and I'm, I'm glad that, I quite know how it's happening, but it seems to be happening, that there seem to be more of us willing to stay around and pray for others after our evening service as well as our morning. That's good. But do you really, really want to be holy as well? I wouldn't have thought of it. I wouldn't have looked at my heart and said, oh yes, that's an obvious factor, till I'd looked at John's gospel. Can you understand, think about the Jews in the Roman world. They attracted attention because they kept Sabbath. Imagine if we were a people who attracted attention as Christians because we were known to be holy. Because we were known to echo the character of the God we believed in. Even if people don't believe in that God, 
But if you believe in the, if we were known to echo the character of the God we believe in. I'm doing um, a talk and a kind of question and answer thing at the UEA tomorrow. I'm really pleased that the politics society has asked me to do it, about faith and politics. And I've looked at the questions they're preparing. And the, the, most of the questions treat the church as a problem. But imagine if we were known to be a solution. If those uh, thousand responses from who cares generated in us not just an examination of the questions about injustice and loneliness and poverty, but we actually were known to be sorting it out in our own time. Can you see the tremendous power of a people who would be known for healing and holiness in this world. At the Alpha Supper on Thursday, there was a guy called Daryl Tunningley, whose story is relatively famous because he's of a particular type, the armed robber who um, uh, was just an all-round bad boy. Uh, very bad indeed. Uh, but God met him in the middle of, a, a, of an Alpha course, uh, run, as he said, by a vicar and two retired nuns. And... Uh, the, the effect on him uh, to turn him round means that that single man is renowned now for a life of healing and holiness, which is completely the polar opposite of where he was. And imagine if that were true for all of us, that we were known for healing and holiness. What if God's character was made known among us, much more than ever it was through the temple, through Sabbath, through the law, but made known among us totally. I am sure that although it's right to say of that man in Jerusalem that yes, his healing was also a sign of inclusion and think the world being set to rights and so on, I am sure that there is, there is, we mustn't exclude the purely physical. It is right that we are known as a place of healing of all kinds, physical as well as social, and emotional, uh, uh, and a general putting together rightly of all that it is to be human. I'm going to pray to finish. But just, we'll have some silence. And I just want to suggest, in terms of what do we do about that, there are times when you, you read a passage of Scripture and you know that, okay, I have seen this and I must do that. There are times when you just ask God to increase the desire of your heart. And I think this is one of those times. Let us be, Lord, a people of holiness and healing. And because of that, let us see the world changed. Let's pray. moment of quiet to let the Holy Spirit probe mind and body and spirit. And for him to discover within us where we need to know holiness and healing for ourselves.
Lord God, we cannot assume that if good stuff happens, if there is holiness and healing within us, between us, going out from us, we cannot assume that the world will love it. They didn't love the Jews for Sabbath. And they didn't love Jesus for healing. But the world was changed through those. Lord God, let me be a person of holiness and healing. Let us be a people of holiness and healing. And let us see this world changed, we pray. Amen.